the way to get into crypto is to have a good fundamental understanding of what it is and why it's important. So if you're focusing on the headlines and trying to chase these next like 10x gains, you'll probably burn out or, you know, it, it has less staying power. Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. All right, welcome back for another episode of Make That Money, Honey. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing one of my good friends, Ben Lakoff. Ben and I have known each other for probably about 10 or 11 years now. I actually met him in 2000 and, oh, so 2009 when we were scuba diving in Honduras and I was his scuba diving instructor. So we go way back. Ben and I actually caught up in Thailand uh, in December 2019 for Christmas and had the most amazing scuba diving trip with a bunch of his fellow digital nomad friends. And I got to hear about everything that he does with, in respect to cryptocurrency. And he is an absolute guru in this space. So I cannot wait to do this interview because I definitely would say that this is the number one question that I get in terms of investing. So we are going to pick Ben's brain about all things crypto today, especially for beginner crypto investors. So Ben Lakoff has a background in finance. He's a chartered financial analyst turned entrepreneur. Ben is an angel investor since 2016 with over 50 investments and is obsessed with all things startups. Collectively, Ben and his companies that he's worked with have raised over $50 million in funding in the past three years. He is the co-founder and business lead at Chartered Particles, which is charged.fi, and is also advising a number of other crypto startups in the space. His previous experience includes working in mergers and acquisitions, PE, and angel investing, and before he went full-time into the blockchain space in 2017. For a full description of all the companies that he's currently working with, See the description in this podcast and be sure to check him out on Twitter at Ben Lakoff. That's B-E-N-L-A-K-O-F-F. -F. And so, Ben, thank you so much for joining the show today. I have a million questions for you. But before we get started, I would just love to know, 2017, blockchain was not really a common topic of discussion back then. How did you get into the blockchain space in the first place? Yeah. Well, thanks, Sandra. Audience, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, 2019 does seem like ages ago, right? Uh, 2020 was basically a punt year for everybody. But yeah, backing up to uh, 2017 was like the last bull market for crypto. A lot of people got on a lot of people's radars at that point. 
but actually I got into crypto in 2016 via angel investing. So I invested, I was living in Thailand at the, the time and invested in the Coinbase of Thailand. So a, a crypto exchange in Thailand in 2016 and got me interested in crypto and what this, from more of a business standpoint, like the, the it was basically selling, selling picks and shovels in this bull market, fell down the rabbit hole, as they say at that point. That sounds so cool. And I know that you were living in Thailand for a period of time. What were you doing over in Thailand when you first were introduced to the blockchain space? Uh, I was working for a, a, a private holding company, so essentially private equity, buying and selling uh, private entities in Southeast Asia. Awesome. So for our beginner investors, this is a space that a lot of people don't know anything about. They see the names going wild like dogecoin and i don't even know if i'm saying that right dogecoin <laughs> and they want a piece of it and the problem is is that by the time these names blow up they are already past their peak and people are putting money into them and then they're losing lots of money if somebody is a beginner investor and they're looking to start getting into the crypto space how would you suggest that they begin and what resources do you think would be good for them to check out? The way to get into crypto is to have a good fundamental understanding of what it is and why it's important. So if you're focusing on the headlines and trying to chase these next like 10x gains, you'll probably burn out or, you know, it, it has less staying power. I think, I mean, what, 90 some percent of traders, active traders lose money. Any sort of day trader kind of quits within the first uh, two years or whatever. It's, I'm sure it's like 90 plus percent. So if it's no different in a place like crypto, and in, in fact, it's more of an inefficient early stage market. So you're probably going to lose money if you're chasing chasing these crazy returns. So I think the way to get involved is to truly understand why this technology and this kind of cultural movement is important to understand like at its core why it should be interesting for you and then uh, start dabbling and putting a little bit of money in Bitcoin and Ether, nothing crazy. Um, and, and then as soon as you have a little bit more of a financial incentive, then you'll start kind of going down these different uh, rabbit holes, as they say, and uh, start thinking about things. So that, that's how I would recommend kind of getting involved. And then some good resources. I mean, as you said, there's a there's a lot of noise. You'd be chasing Dogecoin and all the the random things. It's Doge looks like doggy, but it's Doge. Um, so it depends in what method you consume content. So for me, I I love long form books uh, and podcasts. So it's a podcast is all uh, asset allocation. So it's all about investing outside of publicly traded markets. So any sort of alternative investments, which also includes crypto and also includes all of the sub niches within crypto, because there's many. And crypto is just this kind of this catch all terrible term for cryptocurrency, which uh, includes a, a number of sub niches. The books I would recommend uh, is The Infinite Machine by Camilo Russo. This is the history of Ethereum. Um, it reads like a, a novel, so it's actually quite a fun read. Anything by Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, difficult name to say, uh, but great speaker. Internet of Money is an a, a aggregation of some of his more popular um, talks, and he has just this 
this great mindset on what crypto is, why it's important, why it uh, kind of the fiat money system that we live in is is inefficient. Uh, so those would be the books. The um, there's a number of different newsletters out there. Uh, it depends if you're. Uh, I would recommend the Bankless guys. They also have a uh, podcast. Yeah, and if you're interested in going down more like NFTs, I'd recommend Zima Red, Z-I-M-A. Uh, Andrew Steinwald's a very, very savvy NFT investor. So there, there's a lot of resources out there, but I think uh, the, the key is taking the, if they're recommending hot buys for the day or for the week, probably not a good source, and stick to more like thematic macro ideas on why crypto is important. Yeah, that's so accurate. I think in for investing in general is not just going with whatever's trending at the time, but really having a fundamental understanding of what it is that you're investing in, understanding how blockchains actually work. So then when you do hear of a new company, you can do research on them and understand what that cryptocurrency is actually trying to achieve rather than just hearing the name and going, yeah, I'm going to put money into it. And, you know, you're essentially gambling at that point and just taking a punt on whatever it is that you've heard on Twitter. So that's amazing that you've recommended some books because that is one question that I get regularly is, do I have any books that I would recommend for beginner investors? And particularly in the cryptocurrency space, that's such a technical field. There's so much to learn about it. And I know there's a lot of technical people out there that would like to really dig deep. One of the questions that I did have was, do you invest directly into the cryptocurrency itself or do you use some sort of platform or uh, brokerage account to do so? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, for the vast majority of people, I would recommend opening up a Coinbase account, buying crypto through there to start out. Coinbase is valued at God knows what, but probably like 50 plus billion dollars they're publicly traded now, it's going to be fine. Um, as soon as you get up in, in your cryptocurrency knowledge, what it is, why it's important, um, the idea of like self-custodying uh, these assets is extremely uh, attractive. So what that means is I own the way to unlock this cryptocurrency and only I do. So that's a lot of responsibility because if I, I get hit in the head and forget where I wrote down this little thing, nobody can access it. Nobody can retrieve it. Nobody can reset my password. So you get that benefit if somebody else custodies these cryptocurrencies for you, somebody like Coinbase. But at the same time, if Coinbase freezes your account, uh, they block your country, they, uh, they, they go insolvent, uh, you know, all of these risks associated with it. There's no FDIC insurance or anything like that, no backstop uh, if these companies go out. So um, you, you basically have two options. Do it through a platform like Coinbase if you're in the U.S. I don't know about Canada. Or uh, self-custody by direct. And this is kind of the ethos of crypto, which is peer-to-peer -peer value transfer, no middleman, censorship resistant, uh, true ownership. Um, those are kind of the pillars that uh, crypto is built on. Yeah, so that I think that's one of the most common questions that people have is how do I actually buy crypto and what are what are the security measures that I need to consider if I'm buying it on a platform and I have heard about that recently that if you're buying it on a platform that is not as 
large or not as secure, then you run the risk of actually losing it because if anything does go wrong with that company, they actually have the ownership. You just have the rights to that ownership within their platform. So it can be a bit of a risky judgment call, I guess. But also, I guess if you are going with one of the larger platforms and you do have that sense of security, if it is a publicly traded company. So that's good to know. In terms of cryptocurrencies across different countries, do you think it's actually going to replace a currency in the near future? Like as a, as a, as a, you know, like the Canadian dollar, for example, or the Swiss franc, do you think it would actually replace a currency? So this is one potential outcome. Um, I mean, so there's like the, the Bitcoin maximalists that believe that the fiat, the US dollar, the fiat system in general is completely doomed. And fiat just means backed by nothing. So a little history le lesson up until the 70s, the gold, gold backed the dollar. And at that point, um, Dixon removed us from the gold standard and kind of just said, no, a $1 is backed by guns and um, the faith of the US government. So from that point forward, we could print as much money as we could and wanted export inflation to all, all across the world, et cetera, et cetera. So there is one scenario for sure, or, or a number of kind of potential scenarios where crypto or Bitcoin in general could be adopted as more of a reserve currency. Like um, uh, you look at what's happening in El Salvador, which I think is genius, right? If you were like a country like El Salvador, you're pretty low on the global rankings of like country power. And it's like, yeah, I'll gamble, like put up my hands. What's, what's the worst that can happen? I, I like go a few rungs lower and I have like, have to take out bigger loans from the IMF, like, yeah, whatever. So they've said that Bitcoin's a legal tender and that they, uh, there's, it, there's a number of crazy things going on. So, I mean, three, four, five years ago, even two years ago, thinking about publicly traded companies owning crypto on their balance sheet publicly, and this is uh, perceived as a good thing financially, um, of nation states like El Salvador coming out and saying they're putting this in their treasury. Um, th these are massive leaps forward, right? Um, but in terms of like, will it become the next global reserve currency? Probably not. Um, but it, I think it could. Now, in terms of looking at what companies are doing to, to be able to use it to purchase things, what do you think about Tesla? And Bitcoin, what's your what's your opinion there on Elon Musk and his decision to use Bitcoin? Well, he he went back on it and he no longer accepts it. I think I haven't followed the story in a while, but I mean it's a PR play. I think. <laughs> so, what are some of the opportunities that you're looking at right now in the crypto space? Are you able to tell us anything? Share any details with us? Yeah, I mean, I can talk like thematically of what's interesting to me. I mean, Bitcoin, I think. Every investment decision is an opportunity cost from deploying capital somewhere else, right? So if you put money in Bitcoin, you're not putting money in real estate or gold or stocks or cash or whatever. So I think it's important to like zoom out and think like, how does cryptocurrency fit into my overall asset allocation? Consider it highly speculative, like startup investments. This is kind of the allocation that you should have. But like, I mean, a uh, 60-40 portfolio of stocks and bonds is basically dead, right? So um, 
just adding 1% or 5% of that pie into something like cryptocurrency of the last uh, five years adds a ton of like 10% return per year or something insane. Like the sharp ratio looks better. Everything looks better from a financial standpoint. So, I mean, the ability for asymmetric returns is there, uh, which doesn't happen that often. I mean, you look at the number of crypt cryptocurrency users, and it's, uh, it's on like the same trend line as uh, internet users. And it's, it's global, it's permissionless, it's censorship resistant. It's all of these things uh, that I think fit into like the macro themes of, of the world um, in, a, in a highly convenient way. So that's the first thing is like thinking about asset allocation in regards to crypto. Once you kind of peel apart the onion of crypto, things that are interesting to me I mean, I have a company, Charge Particles, that operates within the DeFi NFT intersection. So I'm very much on like the Ethereum side of things, which for your users or listeners, um, Ethereum is a smart contract platform. A smart contract is uh, like a vending machine. You put in a 25 cents and it spits you out uh, a Coca-Cola. That's like a contract. Input 25, output um, Coca-Cola. But this ability within code uh, does allows for a lot of potential. So just a lot that you can do with smart contracts as a platform uh, to build on top of it. So some of these things are uh, DeFi. So this is like permissionless lending, borrowing and lending. So I can take Ethereum crypto, I can put it in a smart contract, and I can pull out a loan based on that, like a, like a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, using my crypto as collateral. Everything's done with smart contracts. It's just a, a, a contract that says if the price goes down, they take my collateral and I keep my loan. The, the interest is deducted, accrued automatically. Um, a pretty, pretty amazing thing. So, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, how do people access these smart contracts? Yeah, so um, smart contracts are, are code. So people build front ends. Like a like a website that you can access, uh, you can log in and do. And anybody can do. I mean, there's potential KYC and AML, like know your customer and anti money laundering issues for most of these. But right now, they're all um, open. Maybe not to Americans for all of them, but um, you know, mm -hmm. available out there. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And besides crypto, are you investing or are you looking into other alternative investments that? maybe are sort of flying under the radar right now? Within crypto or outside? Outside, outside. Yeah, yeah, I mean, always. Um, I mean, so I kind of see like this, this narrative of inflation is coming and eating all assets, uh, eroding purchasing power. It's, it's, it, it's led to asset price inflation and bubbles that we've never seen before. I think value is like such a relative term at this point. So it's tough to find like good investments. Um, I'm more interested. Yes, I own gold like a boomer, but um, you know, I, I, I barbell that with um, my crypto exposure, which is kind of a higher beta play on um, that narrative. Uh, real estate is uh, extremely attractive to me. I just did a private equity fund in Portugal. I'm actually doing my um, golden visa in Portugal for Portuguese citizenship. So I dabble in other assets as well, for sure. 
That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Portugal, I know, is a really hot spot for digital nomads. We've got some mutual friends that are over there right now, and they've got some good tax, uh, tax, what would you say? Sheltering? No. Benefits, for sure. Benefits, not, yeah. Not, not for Americans, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right now with your company, what are some of the things that you guys are looking to achieve in the coming months or coming years? Charge particles. I mean, for your listeners just getting interested in crypto, it's uh, you have to make a few gigantic strides to kind of understand what it is. Um, you take an NFT and you give it its own smart wallet using smart contracts. So that NFT can hold other assets in a programmatic way. We were working on this long before NFTs were kind of the next hot thing for sure. Uh, we believe in this vision of progressive decentralization that we start out as a small company and build it into something and then like uh, relinquish control to the community and it's a community owned project, which is pretty cool. So that's something over the next two years that gets me really, really excited just seeing this, uh, this dream of progressive decentralization play out. But to get there, I mean, we're still pre product market fit. So um, we're being involved in a lot of hackathons, we've hired a lot of uh, dev talent, and we're spinning up new applications on top of our protocol uh, as quickly as we can pick them up, which is really exciting and fun. So, you know, thinking organizationally how to structure that, uh, we have different guilds that focus on different sub niches. Um, it's, it's really, it's really fun and cool. So before a cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency company startup goes live, how do you actually fund it? Do you find investors before people can actually buy coins? How do you, how do yeah. you guys get it off the ground? Yeah, um, same, same as any company, really. I mean, it's either um, bootstrap, grant, uh, or, uh, or funding. So we bootstrapped for the first uh, number of months until we kind of had a more robust proof of concept, and we ended up doing the whole VC funding thing. Which has been really good. We had, uh, really good. We were quite selective with the the VCs and investors we brought on, and they're adding value and and participating and helping. And I mean, our token, as many many other tokens are, are is a governance token. So that's kind of like a a stock, kind of like a a voting stock share. It gives you the ability to participate in the decision-making of the protocol as we go through towards that progressive decentralization. So the idea is the, the more of these governance tokens that you own, the more ability you have to govern the protocol and the decision-making that we've got a good group of them on board, that's for sure. And for these venture capitalists, do they have experience in cryptocurrency or are they just strictly investors? No, I mean, at, at this point, crypto is a God knows how many billion dollar market to, um, or trillion at this point. Um, so uh, th there's specific VC funds that operate solely within the crypto space. Um, gotcha. And they kind of have a macro thesis of decentralizing everything and um, tokens all the way down. I mean, to a, a crypto, like there's this whole NFT craze has brought on this, it's Bit of a trojan horse getting different people involved right now there's artists and musicians and i'm part of um dows which is decentralized autonomous organization it's a way to organize and collaborate across borders uh, with people you don't necessarily know or trust 
but you can do all of this using smart contracts in a way that has never been facilitated in the way that it is now. So, I mean, the the crypto market has changed so drastically and it continues to change very, very quickly. Uh, so there's, yes, there's um, there's VCs that exist solely within the crypto world, that's for sure. And it's yeah. $2 trillion market cap. That was way Yay. off. <laughs> <Clearly>. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of money in that space. What's your opinion on NFTs? Yeah, NFTs are, it stands for non-fungible token. It's a token that's not fungible, which means it's unique. So a unique token can represent a bazillion things. Uh, right now, I mean, most people see it as JPEGs, crypto art, but like a, uh, I issue you a bond or I do a structured product or I have an in-game item or a metaverse plot of land, all of these are are uh, represented by NFTs as well. So it's this broad category. I think that crypto art NFTs are pretty hot right now. I mean, it's it's clearly like bubblicious, but um, you know, uh, it is what it is. I think there's been a bull market in the crypto market, and people are investing, diversifying their investments and. Sometimes that equals uh, NFTs. I'm long-term bullish. I mean, I have an uh, NFT company, uh, but uh, near-term, it's a little, little frothy. Yeah. Do you actually own NFTs yourself? I do. Yeah. Are they art? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I've seen some. Uh, I've seen some pretty cool ones come up on Instagram. Some of them, like you said, artists and singers and tennis players they're selling videos from when they were at the u.s open and stuff like that so yeah it's uh pretty interesting i don't know enough about it to to really understand it but again it's one of those things that you could go down a rabbit hole really learning about it and you still wouldn't even crack the crack the you know outer shell on how much there is to know about nfts is there anything else that you can explain to our beginner investors in terms of asset allocation? If they were looking at their portfolio, what percentage you think would be a, a, a safe number to start at in terms of getting into crypto? Yeah, just as a disclaimer, I mean, not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, certainly not your financial advisor or your listeners. But um, for me, I think going through the uh, knowing yourself as an investor is like a very, very important thing. Knowing your risk tolerance, time frame, and age, and income, and liquidity, and all all of these important things factor in. Uh, but for me, as just kind of like a rule of thumb for people, the younger you are, the more stable your income, probably the more risky you should be with your investing. So you're kind of swinging for the fences because if you miss and if you your investment portfolio goes down significantly you have a lot of working years left but if you get these like i mean crypto the crypto market in general is up 4x over the last year so i mean if you put 1% of your assets and at 4x like that's pretty significant probably at this point if you put 1% of your assets and it goes to zero which you know, clearly, I don't think it will. But if it goes down significantly and you sell, then you're you're probably fine. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the way to think about it is looking holistically at your portfolio, how much risk you have in your portfolio, how much um, thinking about correlation. You know, 
I'm a big proponent of flag theory, which, you know, you're Canadian, you're earning money in Canadian dollars, you own Canadian real estate, you have a Canadian pension fund. Well, that's a lot of, a lot of um, concentration in Canada. Like, God forbid something would ever happen, it probably won't. But thinking, okay, well, maybe I own property in Mexico, and maybe I own a bit of these digital assets that don't really fall into this bucket. Maybe I have an offshore legal entity that I'm able to bill from in case Canadian legal entities are are closed off from the rest of the world. And kind of thinking like that. Um, yeah, like a protective mechanism by diversifying not just your portfolio, but also the countries that you operate in and investments that you hold across borders. Uh, I know that I know for myself personally, when I was living in Australia, Australia is very heavily invested within Australian investments. They are very much about keeping things local and invest in the ASX 300 companies or mutual funds for those top 300 companies. And going global is a very scary thing for a lot of investors over there. They, you know, they don't even going into the U.S. There, they think there's a lot of volatility, but there's definitely a lot of importance in that uh, by diversifying globally, but also within your own country and, and spreading your risk that way. When you yourself first started investing and when you first became an angel investor, how what were some of the key contributors to your success before you got into the crypto space? What were some of the wins that you had? Contributors, I mean... Look, I'm I'm still trying to figure things out just as much as the rest of us. Uh, but I, I'd say like growth mindset and curiosity are like the characteristics that I, I value most. And it's like teasing out these ideas because you're interested in them and less of because I want to make a crazy financial return. Um, and those are kind of good, good pillars, I'd say. Um, now, for our listeners that are a little bit more experienced with crypto, because I know there are some people out there that are already dabbling in it, you did mention something about day traders that only last about two years. Are there any courses or programs that you know of that are actually credible and not just some sort of money grabbing scheme to get people in? Because I know there's some network marketing companies out there that are you sign up, and then if you get two of your friends to sign up, then you get your next month subscription free. And a lot of them seem to be a bit sort of scammy. Do you know of any actual quality courses that if people do want to learn about crypto, they can enroll in it? No? Yeah, I think it's just one of those those questions that a lot of people are like, how do I learn more about this in a, in a realistic, non-scammy way? But I'll definitely put the, the links to those books that you mentioned because that sounds like some pretty good resources. Yeah, I mean, I think crypto, like day trading in general is like a utopian dream, right? Like that I can just log on to my computer for a few hours a day, look at some lines on a graph, click a few buttons and make a couple hundred bucks. And like, that's all I do. And I think it's very difficult to be very good at it. I do know some very good traders and... It's not three hours a day. I mean, they're obsessing over charts and lines 18 hours a day, and that's all they do, and they're very good at it. But they're also ex-poker players. They understand probabilities and odds and, like, how to how to uh, mitigate risks. And um, those are just not really skill sets that I have. I did have a, a trading company. Um, it failed, which, you know, uh, I learned a ton from a business failure, but it 
freaking sucks for your ego, for sure. And it's not easy. I mean, we were trying to automate it with spending a ton of money on algorithmic trading and it's, it's not easy for sure. Yeah. And that's one of the questions that I get a lot. I, I know there are a lot of people out there that are day trading and that are trying to pick winners and are constantly, you know, buying and selling over course of two, three days or something like that, or even within the same day. And no matter what, I sort of always suggest that people, you know, being a, former financial advisor. And again, this is not financial advice. This is our disclaimer here. But I always suggest that people start with a safe and diversified portfolio and not play with fire because a lot of people that get into investing and crypto would be the same would be that they start with names that are trending at the time. And because of it, they think, oh, because I, you know, I'm chasing this gain for this particular company then they have a bad experience because it's so inflated that GameStop or whatever else, they buy it at the high and then all of a sudden their portfolio drops 60% and they say, oh, investing in the stock market or investing in crypto is garbage. You know, just, just go back into real estate because that's the safer option. You get bricks and mortar. But what they don't understand is that most seasoned investors are investing for the long term. They're doing their due diligence in terms of asset allocation and, and really understanding the importance of asset allocation on the return of a portfolio rather than just jumping in and out of stocks all day and trying to time the market and trying to get into the next hottest trend because so many people out there will try that. They'll lose a ton of money. And then they'll have a negative experience about investing. So they won't want to do it again. So then they'll just sit on a bunch of cash. So, you know, if this is you and you're learning how to invest for the first time, I know it's a boring strategy, but sometimes boring strategies are just going into things like index funds or, you know, mutual funds that give you broad spectrum access to these different things. And I know myself personally, I have access to a Bitcoin fund that has holdings in Bitcoin, and you can use things like ETFs to be able to do so. Have you ever used a Bitcoin fund to invest, or have you had any experience with that? Crypto funds? Funds, yeah. Uh, not a particular Bitcoin fund. I mean, uh, crypto funds, yes. Bitcoin yeah. funds, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if there's anything else that you wanted to add for our listeners today, anything that you didn't think that we covered, we would love to hear from you now. There's a lot of noise within any markets, but especially crypto. It's 24-7. It's global. It's new, innovative, novel. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to promise the moon with a lot of these things. Um, but you stick to some of these, like, really, really smart thinkers in the space um, and, and watch what they're thinking about and why they get excited about it and try to stay focused on that and, like, have a longer-term mindset and understand that this is risky and i think it, it it'll be the good foundation to like get a little bit more involved in the space amazing okay so last question to wrap up the interview but if you could give yourself one piece of financial advice to your 20 year old self what would it be uh well i'm 34 so 14 years ago so that was before bitcoin so i couldn't really well <laughs> i mean that's kind of cheating, right? Like I'd, I'd just go back and I'd buy all the Bitcoin right when it came out, for sure. <laughs> what about in terms of uh, investing from a, from a whole perspective? 
Well, with that question, I instantly think like, what has had the highest financial returns? And I would just go back and I would buy all of those things. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I mean, I, I asked for stocks for my 16th birthday. I understood the power of like compounding interest from a pretty early age. Um, but yeah, I would tell myself to go buy all the tech stocks and Bitcoin and beachfront property in LA and stuff. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much. And again, to our listeners, I will be popping all the information from this podcast, all of Ben's companies that he works with and the books that he recommended into the description. So be sure to check it out. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.